Welcome to another episode of the View Charlotte podcast. My name is Jeremy Orden, one of the partners with the Orden Ryder Group at Allen Tate Realtors. The purpose of the View Charlotte podcast is to help educate our audience to both the real estate market and our Charlotte metropolitan market, while also providing valuable information about our city from an entertainment and economic viewpoint. Each week, we'll delve into a topic that involves Charlotte to gain a deeper understanding of either the real estate market or life in Charlotte. Our mission has always been to educate our clients to the real estate market so they can make the best decisions for their family. And hopefully, these weekly podcast installments will help to deliver on that mission. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Thank you for joining us for our newly reformatted podcast. As I announced last week, we've restructured our show to provide the freedom of either digging deeper into a singular topic or that flexibility to provide focused attention on a variety of topics. I could not think of a better person or subject to join me as we kick off this new format than a returning guest who our audience is always impressed by, Orden Ryder Group at Allen Tate agent, AJ Lindsay. AJ, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to come back. So with this new format, I knew that I wanted to finally get into a topic that you and I have been discussing a lot lately, and I could not think of a better time, place, or avenue to have this conversation than in this new open format. So this week, we're going to be discussing something in the real estate buying process that's often one of the biggest causes of concern, hesitations, and misunderstandings of the entire process. Would you like to guess where I'm headed with this? I think you're talking about the property disclosures, correct? That's exactly it. You got it, my friend. So why don't you kick us off with a description of what the property disclosure is? Sure. In both North and South Carolina, a seller is required to complete a document called the Residential Property Disclosure Form. This is a lengthy document where all the seller either says is yes, there is a problem with the property, no, there is not a problem, or no representation. I'm going to ask you to pause there for a moment because, you know, there's a lot to break down in what you just said. So let's start with these yes, no, or no representation. Sure. Yes is the seller affirming that there is a problem. On the North Carolina disclosure, for example, question number five says, is there any leakage or problem with the dwelling's roof? Seller could say yes, there is a problem or no, there is not a problem. The form also provides an area to explain Any areas they selected, yes, on the disclosure. So what about that no representation that you mentioned? No representation can mean a couple of different things on the disclosure form. It can mean that they have no knowledge of something, but do not want to commit to an answer. You often see this on questions about the dwellings pipes are made of. I mean, who really knows the specific material of a home's pipes, right? However, no representation could also mean that the seller is not telling. What do you mean by I'm not telling? <laughs> someone someone might not have any knowledge about some specifics or the seller does not need to specifically disclose. No representation, and it even says this on the disclosure, is that the seller is choosing not to disclose the conditions or characteristics of the property, even when they have actual knowledge about them. So it sounds like you know, pleading the fifth to avoid self-incrimination. Sometimes it is like that, however. In my experience, it is often the fact that the seller may not have lived in the house personally 
or recently and is rather taking no responsibility for the disclosures and leaving it up to the buyer to discover through the inspection process. This opens up so many different cans of worms, and I think we could take this conversation in a variety of directions from here. Let's start by talking about what sort of questions are asked on that property disclosure form to begin with. I describe the disclosure statement as being the document that furnishes other interested parties with knowledge about the property that cover the land, the dwelling, and the associated systems and conditions of that dwelling. I think that's a good way of describing it. The disclosure also talks about structural, electrical, plumbing, HVAC, roofing, appliances. It also goes into the disclosing the age of those systems, such as water heaters, HVAC, and the roof. So one of the things that people can learn from the disclosures are also the types of fuel sources, whether it's natural gas or propane, the water supply source, whether it's city, county, community well, or even private wells. Roads are also disclosed, whether it's a private road that the potential new owner would be financially responsible for, or whether the road has been dedicated to the public use. Of course, HOA fees and amenities are also provided. I think the best way to look at a residential disclosure is as a generalized overview of information that the seller has completed with the knowledge they can provide about the property. I think that's a good way of looking at it, but it also brings us to the issue that you and I have constantly encountered, especially recently, and that's when a buyer discovers information that was listed either incorrectly on the disclosure or not disclosed at all. Yeah, that's a big item right now. So before we get into the logistics of that, let's go back to the purpose of the disclosure. It's designed for the seller to provide potential buyers with numerous details about the subject property. If there's an easement on the property, a potential buyer should know. If the HVA system is going to be one year old or 25 years old, a potential buyer should know. If there's an active leak in the roof, a potential buyer should know. However, it is not the seller's responsibility to inspect the home to provide this information. They can decline to answer any of those questions. That's really the quandary, right? We get into situations where a seller fails to disclose information. And I'm not talking here about putting no representation because they simply don't know the answers, but rather, for example, with question number 20, is there any problem, malfunction, or defect with any appliances that may be included in the conveyance? And then it lists examples like the range and oven, attached microwave, hood, fan, dishwasher, disposal. I think that is where buyers get most upset during the process. In my experience, a buyer relies on the disclosures and then during an inspection, they find, using your example, that the disposal does not work. They ask, why was this not disclosed when it is pretty obvious a buyer will discover this? Often we see in these situations that a seller may not have been aware of it or simply made a mistake when filling out the disclosure. There's other times where, and I'm not leveling any accusations, it's an intentional omission of information. Sometimes sellers think that if they just put no, they can say that they were not aware of it, and putting no is better than being honest and putting yes, because then they could potentially secure a buyer. This is the problem with this form. The buyer is putting good faith in the seller to be honest and provide them with accurate information. And the benefit of being honest is that the buyer is going to discover all of this anyways when they do an inspection. So there is no reason to not disclose it up front. 
That's what I always tell my sellers when we're discussing this forum. They might tell me that they had a roof leak. However, that roof was replaced and the damage was all remediated by a professional contractor. They ask me if they have to disclose. In those situations, I always say it is better to over-disclose, especially if the problem was remediated. I agree with you. I think there's this misconception out there that you want to hide information in the hopes that it won't scare the buyer, but the buyer is always going to discover it, you know, one way or another, so that there's no reason not to just be upfront with the information. And if you are worried about those dynamics, there's always no representation. I think that's a good transition to the topic of no representation. I'm sure that you've worked with buyers who see a disclosure and everything is marked no representation. Oh yeah, I've worked with a lot of those. And what do you tell your clients when they say, why is every question marked with no representation? It's pretty much a conversation we just had. I explained that maybe the seller has not personally lived in the home or maybe they are aware of problems and have decided to not disclose. Or maybe they're just completely unaware of anything that would need to be disclosed and don't want to be responsible for putting any information, either positive or negative out there. They're essentially shifting the burden of discovery onto the buyer and the buyer's agent. I like that approach. It's similar to my stance. I used to think that a disclosure full of no representations was like a big red flag. However, as you said, sometimes it's just an avoidance of responsibility of discovery and putting that onto the buyer. Maybe the HVAC is brand new. However, they're still not disclosing anything. And we see this a lot with like flips that take place in the area, renovations, and, you know, just also properties that have been neglected. I think it is something that you need to be aware of. However, it is not necessarily a red flag that brings a transaction to a complete stop. So there's two more topics within the world of disclosure that I want to make sure that we discuss. What happens when something is discovered that was not disclosed? And then what happens when something is discovered that was intentionally omitted? Sure. Which do you want to start with first? I don't care. I mean, actually, let's start with what happens when something's discovered that was not disclosed. I think this is more complicated of the two questions you ask. If we use an example of something that should be pretty obvious, like question 21, is there any problem with present infestation of the dwelling or damage from pest infestation of wood destroying insects or organisms? which has not been repaired, things can get pretty dicey. That's a good example. Can you explain it to me a little bit more? Sure. This is on This is on my mind because on a recent transaction, a buyer's inspection discovered pretty extensive termite damage with the crawl space of a home. There has been a treatment performed pretty recently to get rid of the termites. However, the damage they did in the crawl space was not repaired. So I remember talking about, you know, this one with you. Why don't you tell our audience about the problem that this created? Absolutely. So I reach out to the agent and say the sellers paid to have the termites removed, but they did not put on the disclosure that there was damage from the termites. And the agent tells me, well, they did not have to disclose the damage because they took care of the termites. This is one of the fundamental problems with the disclosure And that is the interpretation of the information. The sellers interpreted the treatment of the termites being that there was nothing to disclose, but my buyers and I interpreted the fact that there was damage from the termites and could not have been seen unless you were the inspector going into the crawl space. 
that had not been repaired as something that should have been disclosed. So the gray area of the disclosure is how questions can be interpreted, right? Correct. And look, I understand that there are all sorts of things that come up in inspections. An inspector will say that a lighting fixture with one burned out bulb needs to be evaluated by an electrician to ensure proper working functionality. However, on the disclosure, it asks if there are any problems with fixtures. Do I expect a seller to say, yes, there is a burned out bulb on the ceiling fan in the living room? No. However, according to proper disclosure, they should have disclosed this. I think it goes back to what we were saying. If you're going to disclose, then you should disclose because a buyer's going to discover it later on. It is like you tell your kids, right? I won't be as angry if you tell me what you did versus me having to find out about it later on. I think that's such a good example. I'm 100% stealing <laughs> that from you when I'm meeting with clients and going through the disclosure with them. Uh, on to the second part. What happens when something is discovered that was intentionally omitted? I think I'll let you run with this one. Unfortunately, this is something I've had a lot of experience in. Rather than share horror stories of angry conversations with other parties and threatens of lawsuits, actually, last year I had a client who was under contract to purchase a home. There's a question on the disclosure that says, and it's number two on the disclosure, is there any problem, malfunction, or defect with the dwelling's foundation, slab, fireplace, floors, windows, doors, ceiling, interior, and exterior walls, attached garage, patio, deck, or other structural components, including modifications to them? Wow, that's a super long question to read. <laughs> that is a super long question. Yeah, so in this situation, the seller answered no to the question. In the home, there were multiple broken thermal seals on the windows that were pretty obvious to anyone who looked at them. I know thermal seals can be sometimes looked at as cosmetic. Yeah, especially with the old South Carolina repair agreement that specifically identified thermal seals as being outside of the repair agreement. The problem we ran into, though, wasn't thermal seals, though. Then why did you mention the thermal seals? Here, you and I go again. It was just part of the overall story. Do you want me to continue with my example? Well, of course, just asking for some clarification. So with this home, the seller said that there were no problems. However, the last part of this says, including modifications to them. During the inspection, we discovered that there were multiple jacks and piers added to the home, which was actually done at the time that the sellers had originally purchased the home to help correct some foundation and crawl space issues. The work was done correctly and remediated the problem. However, it was not disclosed. And the sellers were aware of this? Yeah, they're actually the ones who had negotiated the repair, hired the contractor company to do the work. But if it was functioning as intended, then they don't need to disclose a problem if there's no problem. So this is where things got tricky. The question begins by asking if there is a problem and then ends by going into the modifications to them. This entire transaction fell apart specifically because even though there was no problem, the seller's failure to disclose a previous problem that had been remediated, specifically the modifications that they oversaw, caused a panic to the buyer. 
what happened with that situation. It turned into a lawsuit. I mean, you know, that's that's where things go, right? Yeah. The seller claimed that they had no responsibility to disclose because there was no active problem. But the buyer claimed that the seller intentionally hid material facts that should have been disclosed. So lawyers and everyone else got involved? Yeah, and there, of course, like there was a huge due diligence of fee that was, you know, involved. There were lots of accusations. This is why I think it's so important to have this conversation. Obviously, anything can end up in a lawsuit. However, by being upfront with the buyers, this entire situation could have been avoided because they would have disclosed and the seller can actually protect themselves. Which I think brings up that last important role, and that is the role of the agent to disclose. So if you've ever been on any real estate forum or social network group, this is where things get really dicey. There are agents out there who, when a client starts to say, look, the air conditioning works great until it's like 90 degrees outside, then it stops cooling, an agent will shake their head like a cartoon character, covering their ears and say, don't tell me about any problems, otherwise I'll have to disclose. Because our state and licensing bodies have been very clear that any material facts that an agent has, they need to share, even if their client instructs them not to. That's right. I remember we had a home that had a septic system that was rated for a three-bedroom home. However, the house had six bedrooms. They did not want to disclose a three-bedroom system and wanted us to say that the septic was designed for more bedrooms beyond just a note in the MLS. We lost the listing because of that. We weren't willing to compromise our ethics, not to mention break the law, because the seller wanted to hide a material fact from the buyer. Our state also puts an emphasis on agents discovering reasonable information. A huge emphasis on this. Do you want to talk more about that? We are not home inspectors or structural engineers, HVAC technicians, or electricians. However, the expectation is that an agent should have a reasonable ability to identify and therefore disclose potential deficiencies. I am never going to go crawling in a crawl space. However, if I am walking through your home and I notice that there is a broken window or some pretty extensive rot that becomes a material fact that I need to disclose... I think the key, the key thing here is that there's no downside to disclosure. Realistically, a buyer will discover problems on their own, but a seller can really protect themselves from future problems by just being honest and upfront. I'm glad you said that. Last week, I was writing an offer for a client on a property, and the property disclosure had a ton of items marked yes with problems. The seller took the time, explained what the problems were, And they were simple, like a ghosting door, moisture in the crawl space, a utility easement, and the microwave not working. My buyer client felt so much more comfortable making the offer because the seller had already given him so much information that we were off to a good start with expectations. What do you think that seller situation would have looked like had the seller put no representation on everything? Well... Things like the water in the crawl space we noticed when we were walking the property. So when we saw it on the disclosure, it was no big deal. I think we had read a disclosure and it said no representation. Then when we saw the water in the crawl space, the buyer would have had a bigger problem with it. So what have we learned in this conversation today, Aja? Disclose, disclose, and disclose. Which I go, which I guess like just goes hand in hand with discover, discover, (laughs) discover, right? Yes. 
This is not a form that should intimidate anyone. You are providing material facts and information to the best of your ability. Knowing that a buyer will discover on their own, for example, if you say that the AC unit is three years old, they can literally look at the manufacturing tab on the unit and see that it is 10 years old. will only create more problems and potential legal situ- situations, so just be honest. AJ, I think you said it all. It's pretty simple and straightforward for a really complicated subject. So thank you for being a returning guest, especially as we move forward with this new format. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to next time. Thank you to our audience for joining us. We'll be returning next week with another episode of the View Charlotte podcast. Mm-hmm.